Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Lord, we come gathered in your name, Jesus. That name that is above every name. And we come into these moments longing to do what we just sang, longing to look into your eyes, knowing that you are our God who reigns over all of creation and that you, oh God, see us. You see us in our frailty, you see us in our struggle, you see us in our joy, you give us strength. And so we come again, God, seeking you, seeking a touch from you, seeking healing for our bodies that are broken, seeking healing, a touch from you, God, for our minds that get broken, for our our souls, our emotions that get, get broken by this world. So we come to you again. And I come, God, bringing my friends in this room, my friends gathered online who are seeking you, seeking a touch from you this day. Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would literally touch each one of us where we need it the most at that deepest point of need in our lives that we all have we need you Jesus and so we come calling on your name again giving thanks for your goodness giving thanks that you were filled with mercy and grace and compassion for us as we battle our sin, as we seek to crucify our flesh, as we suffer in this life, you were there. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray together and all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you. If you would uh, find a, a place to sit down, I, uh, I, I want us to go back to a moment for prayer in just a second. But I'm going to ask this question. If you are one of our adult leaders, well, there are, don't sit down because y'all are already standing up. Y'all are, you, you knew, you, you got it going on. Um, if you are one of our adult leaders who is leading our student ministry to fuge or infuge uh, tomorrow, would you please stand up? We want to thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you for, for giving up what you give up to go do this sacrificing. And so I also want to ask if you are a student and you're in the room and you're going, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right now too. Just join them um, because we wanna pray for you. I know there some, some have gone on, but let, let, me, let me just take a moment to pray. You, you pray. We're gonna try to get the names of everybody going on uh, this uh, uh, huge trip. Uh, 
and put them on our on realm so that you can see them. If they're already there, forgive me for not knowing that. They may already be there, but we want to make sure they're there so you can go on realm and pray for um, our adult leaders and our students who will be there by name. So uh, join me, if you would, as we pray. Lord God, we come. We come first giving thanks for your goodness, your grace, this opportunity for our students. God, to just kind of get away, to step out of, Lord, the race, um, the distractions, to just, God, hunker down in your marvelous love, in your purposes, your plans for their lives. And God, having served in student ministry for years, I know what a week away like this can do. It can be life-changing and transformative. So God, I, I come praying, praying for you to move, God. I pray that the hearts of uh, the students that you have brought here that are going uh, tomorrow, Lord, that you would do a work in them, that their hearts would be open to hear your voice, God. Hear your marvelous grace and love and plans for their lives, God. I pray that now. God, I also pray that you will remove every physical obstacle, every detail. God, I think even now of just something as simple as going and picking up those vans tomorrow. I pray, God, that you would go before uh, those leaders who will be going to do that. Lord, you'll, you'll pave a way and there'll be a path and it'll be smooth. And I pray for every other detail, God. I pray that you would keep them safe as they travel, uh, Lord. But I also pray for opportunities opportunities for some who will have to to minister to others and bear witness of your goodness. I pray for those opportunities now too, God. Lord, we love you and we give you thanks for all that you're doing in the hearts and minds of your people. Bless us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Um, I uh, just want to share a couple of announcements. Uh, Some of you, I think, maybe got here in time to see or participate, but just a short time ago, um, our cars ministry uh, gave away uh, a car that had been donated to uh, a single mom so that they could have some reliable transportation to care for their families. And um, I, uh, I, I just love that ministry. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, there are people in our church who have uh, wrench turning skills and know how engines work and those kinds of things and they take those gifts and they apply them to uh, gently used cars that have been donated by by you some of them not so gently used mine was one of those uh, but and they they take those sometimes that they can't repair and then they sell them uh, to get parts to fix the ones they can repair. So either way, it's good. It's a, it's a gift uh, from God. And, uh, and, and it blesses someone else. And it's just one of those incredible ways that God is at work around here. And um, hopefully we'll hear more uh, about today's giveaway and, uh, and, and that blessing uh, in days to come. This evening at 545, we're going to meet in the annex um, this evening for our family meeting. And I would encourage you, if you've never been, or if you have been, to, to come back. But if you've never been, what, what we do is we gather in those moments uh, to hear about what God is doing. To, if we have uh, any voting as a body that we have to do, uh, we do that. I don't, I'm not aware of any of that tonight. 
but uh, we share struggles that are going on in ministries. Uh, we share what's around the bend. Um, and so much of our time is just spent praying, seeking God, seeking wisdom from him, uh, seeking help and, and celebrating his goodness. Um, also next Sunday uh, at 3 p.m., if you've been kind of hanging out of the river now for a while and think, uh, yeah, I agree, it's gonna be exciting. Um, the, uh, and believe that you need to maybe take that step into covenant uh, membership. This would be a good opportunity for you to do that. And maybe you've got some questions about our church, why we do things the way we do, when we do them, all those kinds of things. Uh, so Exploring Church Membership is next Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, myself and Pastor Guy and Pastor Dave will be giving leadership to that. Uh, some of our elders will be there doing some coaching at the end. And um, so it's a great opportunity for you to come and ask questions uh, that you might have about River Bluff. Uh, if, if there are questions that you feel like you need answered before you take that step to, to join our church. Now, um, today is, uh, you know, I say this a lot, but today really is going to be a little bit different um, than, uh, th than normal. Um, instead of kind of coming at scripture in a real strong expository kind uh, of way, a, a significant portion of our time together today, if you will indulge me, is going to be a little autobiographical through the, the scriptures, some of what my own journey over the last 16 months culminating kind of in my sabbatical has, has taught me what the Lord has done in, in me, uh, especially there in, in that sabbatical that um, the elders and, and you were so gracious to give me. Last week's message um, uh, out of Exodus chapter 34 about the heart of God was really kind of autobiographical too because God did that in me. He spoke that over me. He needed me to, to hear with fresh ears who he is, that he is a God of compassion. He's merciful. He's filled, he's filled with grace. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love, and he's always faithful. And that's, that's who our, our God is. And we talked about that, and that's who Jesus is last week. So again, today, this is going to be slightly more autobiographical, if you would. And we're also going old school, okay? Old school. Now, you can, if you need to, um, take out your phone if you want to get to the scriptures that way. But here's what's not going to happen today. It's not going to come up on the big screen. Okay? So, do you recognize this? This is a Bible. A hard copy Bible. I know you think it's ancient maybe or something like that. Um, but there are, if you want one, there are some in seats in front of you. Some of you are going for them now, maybe underneath you um, or under the chair next to you if you want to grab one. If you use one of these, I'm going to help you because I'm going to tell you the page number I'm on. Um, so so that, 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 that may help a, a little bit, encourage you, some of, some of you to grab one of those. But I, I want to start uh, by reading a portion of one verse from Psalm 46 this morning. And uh, so if you grab your Bibles and you want to turn there, go to, go to Psalm 46. Um, we're going to be on starting, we're going to start our reading in verse 10. So that is actually on page 472. If you look in there, page 472, Psalm chapter 46, verse 10 says this. Be still and know 
that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. This is, this is what God's word says to us. Now, I, that verse has been, um, let me put it, I've been connected to that verse and one other, what I call the be still verses. Now, there are more be still verses, but there are two that resonate with me. One is, is this one here in Psalms uh, chapter 46. And there's another one in Exodus 14, Exodus 14, 14. And you can turn there if you want to. I'm not going to turn there. But Exodus 14, 14 is when God's people have been set free from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They're backed up against the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is coming to decimate them. And, and this is what God says. The Lord says, I will fight for you if you will only be still. Now, the reason that those verses connected with me long before I ever really understood how to meditate on them or think about them or journey through them or, or really see their value, if you would, um, they connected, I connected with them because my last name's in there. Be still. I know that's superficial. I know it's egocentric. I'm just, it's just the truth. Those verses kind of resonated with me because it said, be still. I had teachers, um, both in elementary school and high school, just, I'm so old, there was no such thing in, as middle school um, when I went to school. I, we, it was first through seventh grade and then, you know, eight through 12. That's, that's me. And um, so in elementary school and high school, I had teachers that wanted to change my middle initial um, from Joe E. Still, Everett, to Joe B. Still, because I wasn't. Um, I, I made pretty good grades, except, do, do, do y'all remember when they actually graded you on conduct? They graded you on conduct? I failed at conduct. My conduct failed, just, you know, that, that was just true about me. So th- these be still verses, you know, connected with me early in my walk when I heard them. Um, but then God used them, both of those actually, and especially Psalms 46.10, to just richly at times teach me. Draw me near. Uh, speak, speak to me. And um, he's, he's done that once again. Uh, like every other pastor that I've had the privilege of speaking with and every other leader that I know, um, there have been multiple times over the last 16 months uh, where just kind of hit the wall. Moments when fatigue and fear kind of kind of overwhelmed times when uh, moments and, and days even that I, I I didn't know what to do and you'll recall the hostility and the instability and the season of uncertainty that 2020 was and there there were these decisions that had to be made and then remade and remade again that you just couldn't keep up with and there were conflicting opinions and there was societal conflict and there was rage and hate and anger and division and dismissing each other, rejecting one another, trying to cancel each other. And, you know, times I would hear this verse used, Psalm 46, I would hear it used and, you know, I kind of thought, 
what do they think it means the way they're using it? You know, sometimes it would kind of get used in strange ways. I want to read a couple of other translations to you. They're, they're, because it, it, it is rich, the Hebrew language is rich there, and it can actually be translated a little differently. NASB um, translates it this way. Cease striving and know that I am God. The Living Bible says it this way. Stand silent and know that I am God. The message, which is, is a paraphrase, it's not a word-for-word translation, um, but there are times it really communicates. It says this, it says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. And that paraphrase actually kind of spoke deeply to me in that season because there were, there were days I felt like um, I was trying to cross eight lanes of traffic whizzing by. Uh, very unsuccessfully, uh, I might add. Now, if you would go to a, a resource that would help you do a word study of the Hebrew words about be still, you would find out that it can be translated in lots of ways. It could be translated as sink down. It could be translated as relax. It could be translated as let drop. It could be translated as uh, abandon. A, a, a really kind of wide range of translation possibilities and, and interpretations. So what are, are these words, be still and know that I am God, meant to describe? Is it some kind of inner space that we're to create, that we give more attention to the spiritual aspects of our lives than you know, what's going on outwardly? You know, or, or is it maybe just simply a reminder to, you know, you gotta prioritize your, your life and remember that you know, the, the earthly chaos in no way compares to uh, the eternal God, you know, that's temporary, he's eternal. Um, or, or sometimes it, it feels a little bit like maybe it's just one of those Christian cliches that are relegated mostly to sofa pillows, you know, cross-ditch kind of thing. That it, it comes out this way. Well, this was one of the verses that came up again um, during my, my sabbatical that the Lord just wanted to draw me into. And as you know, we've said around here all the time, context is king when it comes to understanding scripture. So we've got to see those words really kind of in light of the context of that chapter. So if you're, if you still got your Bibles open, I want to encourage you to, to go to, um, look at verse two and three with me. Verse two says this, therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Have, have any of y'all, when you read that, are there any images that maybe come to mind immediately of what's actually happening on our planet? Have you seen some of those shots where like a, a, a glacier, this big, massive, mountainous chunk falls into the sea? Psalm 46. I mean, if you've kept up with the news about what's going on in Europe and the, just the flooding, it, it's shifting. It, there is this quaking that's going on in the natural realm. But it's not just there. It's also uh, in government. Look, look over, flip over, if you would, to verse 6. Verse 6 says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. You think of Cuba? Think of Haiti, think of South Africa right now, turmoil that's going on, all, all over the world. 
we see these going on, these happenings in, in the news. And, and we, we, Psalm 46. And it's in that context that God says, be still and, and know that I am God. And so this is, this is more than just advice. This is not, you know, pop psychology or some kind of Pollyanna, you know, ideal or something like that. This is getting down into the nitty gritty of, of where life is. It's not just a pep talk, you know, where he said, yeah, just calm down a little bit. Everything's going to be all right. So what is it? Well, I believe that Psalm 46, verse 10, is an invitation. This is what the Lord kind of did in me recently. He said, this, Joe, is, is an invitation. Uh, it's an important invitation. It's an invitation to deeply, more deeply trust in the Lord Jesus, the one who's never challenged by external circumstances, whether they're just a part of the natural order of this broken world or whether they're man-made. And so this invitation really is another way, I think, to define what we think of as, as faith. Now, friends, over you know, the last 16 months and into my sabbatical, I, I had to relearn this. I'm, I'm, I'm relearning this. And God, God brought some clarity uh, and he gave some words to feelings I was having and thoughts I was having. This faith, this biblical faith of those of us who have been saved by the grace of God, sinners saved but still suffering with our own sin condition and suffering in this world. And one of the things that the Lord showed me about this faith is that faith can get renewed and even deepened in the midst of overwhelming anxiety. It gets tempered in the face of fear. It, it, it actually can experience a revival. It can be born again in the context of our own failure. That kind of faith that's work in Jesus and I want to speak about this today from my own personal struggles. Just some struggles that I have, have been walking through over the past 16 months and uh, that brought me on more than one occasion during that time to just really question whether I could continue in ministry, whether, whether I could just kind of go on because there were feelings of inadequacy to lead in the midst of the mess, uh, doubting whether the words that I would bring or give or personal conversations would in any way bring hope or challenge or help, that was just going on. And I lived like we all live. I lived in that season with the desire to truly be known and understood, you know, for who you really are. But I so often felt like I was not really being known and I was mostly being misunderstood and I was trying to on sabbatical process all of that in the context of this invitation to be still before the Lord and so I, I brought those and he took me back to some other scriptures that are related to what I understand to be my calling from him for ministry he took me back to wrestle through some things and I want to I want to share some of that wrestling with you the first place is in Ephesians chapter 4 so if you want to flip over to um, Ephesians chapter 4 
uh, we're going to start reading um, on page 977 um, in our house Bible. We're going to start reading in verse, in verse 10. But before I do that, since I, I, I spoke a moment ago about being misunderstood, I'm still using these sometimes. Kathy got me a new one so you can see my smile. But I'm still using these. My wife Kathy is too. And others of you are. And you know, I'm grateful for that. Some of you may say, well, Joe, you've talked about being vaccinated and all that. Um, we, have two, uh, we have some very special people in our lives who are very little. Uh, two of them have, um, I'm just going to say, that they have extreme vulnerabilities in their health. Some of you know about it and have been prayer partners with us in this. And were they to contract the virus, it could be, it could be very bad on them. And because we want to stay in relationship with them and get to see them and love on them and be loved by them, we're going to continue to wear these in certain situations and circumstances for the purpose of protecting them. So please don't take it personal. It's not meant to offend anybody. It's meant to protect some people that we love until we can get them vaccinated too, okay? So just, just know that. Um, I hope that helps clear up any misunderstanding. But uh, Ephesians chapter four, if you would, um, with me, verse, verse 10. It starts out saying this, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Who do you think that's talking about? It's the, it's the Sunday school VBS answer. Say it with me. Jesus. Very good. It's talking about, about Jesus. And it goes on, verse 11. And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That, that mature manhood, ladies, that's for you too. It's not it, personhood, if you would. It's, it's, it's not about us anyway. It's about becoming Christ-like. That's what it's about. That's what it's saying there. But that verse, verse 11, says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. If you read all of Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4 is predominantly, primarily about unity in the body. It's about unity in the body. Now, some people read verse 11, and they think spiritual gifts. And that, I get that, that. That's understandable. I see that. But I, I really see that particular passage focusing on calling God's unique calling, especially, not only, but especially to pastors for the purpose. And that purpose is to build up the body into to unity. Now, when I go through and I read that, that, those descriptions, and I get to where it says apostles, where apostles in that day were those who were given really to go out and plant new works. 
kind of like church planters, new ministries, new works. Uh, apostles have that special calling and unique equipping from God to get kind of new things started. I've had the privilege and honor to be a part of some new things that this church has launched and, and start, not just here, but out there in the community to try to bless the community. It's been a privilege to do that. But I don't think of myself running in that lane of apostle. It's not really my calling. I, I read about uh, the prophet. God gave them to the church. Now, I will say, I believe with my whole heart that in the United States of America, the church in America, we got some confusion going on there um, with exactly how that gets played out. There is a place for it because the Bible says there is. And we need to understand that and embrace it and step into it. But we need to do that in a very biblical way. Now, I don't, I don't think that there has ever been a prophetic word that's really fallen out of my mouth. I've had people come to me and say that, you know, you said that one thing and God used that. And that really helped me. If that was a prophetic word, so be it. But I don't think of myself as running in that prophet lane. I'm not an evangelist. There are people who have that calling to be evangelists. Now, do I do evangelism? Do I try to share Jesus? Can I defend my faith? Yes. You know, I, I can do that. I do this. But I, I don't consider myself an evangelist. My call has been this shepherd, as ESV translated. And ASB translates it pastor. Um, those words get used interchangeably. And uniquely, that that last description is pastor and teacher. The other three are kind of delineated, separate rated from the, that, but when you get to pastor, teacher, they're kind of pushed together. It's kind of like there's a symbiotic relationship there that's a little bit different than the, the other three. And that, this is where I have experienced God's, God's call in my life. And God has given me some renewed challenge and, and what I'll call fresh clarity of vision for this. And part of it is this, understanding that I am not the shepherd of River Bluff. Jesus is. I am an under-shepherd. I am not the shepherd, nor do I want to be. Now, sometimes I act like it. And sometimes I've tried to be it, and I know that, and for that I'm sorry. But I don't want to be that. I want to be his under-shepherd. And I know that Shepherding requires helping the flock find feeding. And we can only be fed on the very words of God. The scriptures teach us that. We can only be fed. And so there is this aspect of shepherding that requires teaching to happen, a feeding on God's word. It's central to that calling. And I've long known this, but sometimes I've gotten overwhelmed by that task. Sometimes I feel so inadequate uh, for that task. And one of the things the Lord did over the last 16 months and really into my sabbatical clarified it, it's because I've allowed myself to step out of the purpose of what it means to be a shepherd that teaches. The purpose was to equip the saints, the body, for the work of ministry so that everybody is built up. And what I have done in so many ways is try to do too much of the ministry. And as I have tried to do that, 
I have neglected what I need it to be doing, focusing more on, on praying and teaching and leading. And one of the things that the Lord said to me specifically was, Joe, you do not ask for help. And I don't know how you talk to the Lord when you get a real clear sense that he's spoken something to you, but I responded to the Lord and said, Lord, I, I know I don't ask for help, but it's because, and then I gave the Lord a reason why I often don't ask for help. And here's why. Because I look at you, I look at our staff, and I see how busy and engaged everybody is, and I don't want to burden anybody. And so I just kind of, at times, put my head down and white knuckle my way through it, just push through. And you can only do that for so long before it, it, it catches up with you. But what I thought was noble, the Lord said, Joe, here's the truth about why you don't ask for help. It's 10% that, but it's 90% pride. It's 90% pride. And so the Lord has been dealing with me there, deconstructing me at, at, at that level over these last 16 months and especially helping me understand the wording and the vision of that on sabbatical. Friends, I can't tell you how important that time away was for me to get out of, as Eugene Peterson paraphrased it, to get out of the traffic, to get out of the traffic of, of, of ministry so that the Lord would, would speak to me. And so I have rededicated, I don't know how else to say it, myself to that purpose for my calling for whatever shepherding and teaching I might do to equip, and I am I'm releasing, already starting to do this, more ministry, more details of, of those kinds of things. Another passage that the Lord took me to was over in Acts chapter six. So if you got your Bibles and you wanna turn there, this is another passage of scripture that the Lord has used for me um, to wrestle through uh, with, my, with my calling even. And it's a passage that's familiar to many of you in Ephesians chapter 6. It is the, really the first time we see the establishing of the, the ministry of, of deacons. Chapter 6, on page 914 in, house, uh, in our house Bible, it says this, starting in verse 1. Now in those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. That was mostly talking about food, but think, think resources here. And the 12, the apostles, the ones that were shepherding the flock of this new church, summoned the full number of the disciples. So basically they called a church a family meeting. That, that's basically what, what happened here. They called a church family meeting. Um, and, he, and they said this, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And look at what verse five says, first half of it. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. What, what, they, what they said in that moment, it says it, it pleased the church. Because I think those who were shepherding them said, 
we're willing to adjust. We're willing to let go of some of the ministry details, some of the ministry leading that we've been doing. We're, we're, we're willing to let go of that. They realized they had gotten off course and that they would recalibrate, that they would repent, change the way they were doing things. They would get back to kind of their original calling that the Lord gave them. They would let go of some things. And it said that the whole church was pleased by that. Now, one of the things I hope you notice is that whole moment, that whole moment of clarity for the apostles, that whole moment of clarity for the church came in the, in the context of a crisis. It, it happened in the context of, of this crisis of, of accusations being made. And please see this. God, God does that. And God has done that in me more than once, but he's done it again. God had to bring me down to get my attention so that he could lift me back up. And it once again took a, a, a crisis. If you've been through experiencing God, it might be called a, a crisis of belief. But God will use a, a crisis to recalibrate us, to bring us to a point of repentance. Give me a minute to unpack this. Okay, just walk with me for just a second. I may get a little, a little scattered. Um, you know, I, I started this conversation today by saying, here's a season when I kind of hit the wall multiple times in 2020 as a pastor and there were a leader. And there were, there were, there were days, pockets, multiple days that strung together. Um, where exhaustion uh, and kind of confusion set in. And I didn't ask for help. Like I've already confessed. I don't do well. And I just kind of put my head down again and, and pushed. And one of the areas that I did that in was in teaching. Preparing to bring a message to you to try to to try to feed you. And there were days going into that leading up to Sundays when I had nothing. Just had nothing. And in those moments, I preached another pastor's messages. I have for years listened to other pastors who feed my soul. There's five or six men who regularly do that, that I just sit under and love, and they feed my soul. And I preached his messages, and I did not tell you. I didn't credit him at all. Now, this guy's message that I preached, I, I had heard, I had processed. They challenged me, they encouraged me, they, they gave me strength to go on. But I did not tell you that I was preaching his messages. And so I'm confessing that to you today. Now, I've been walking through this for a while. I got challenged through an encounter back in February that I needed to do something with this. And I'll just be honest, I drug my feet longer than I should and caused myself more suffering than God needed me to endure because I did that. And so coming out of that encounter, I 
I knew I had to do a couple of things, and one of those things was I had to write to that pastor. And so I wrote to him, and I confessed to him what I had done, and I asked him to forgive me, and I asked him what did I need to do to make restitution to him. And uh, I, I don't know him on a personal level, so I don't know what he may require. Again, I had followed him for probably 10 years and felt like maybe I kind of knew who he was, but there was fear in that. And when I got his reply, I knew I had to take it to the elders, and so I, I, I took it to the elders and in our April meeting, and they, they corrected me and they challenged me, and they have helped me put in place boundaries and are helping give oversight, and they are helping me. But mostly what I got from them was love and mercy and support and compassion, which, by the way, I, didn't, I forgot to tell you this. That pastor, when he wrote me back, that's all I got from him. I got understanding. I got support. I got encouragement. I got, I got generous blessing that I'm just not going to go into right now, but he generously, generously blessed me. And, you know, it was hard to get to this day. Um, I knew as we were processing this that this day needed to happen. I knew I needed to look at you and tell you what I had done. And the elders affirmed that they thought we needed to do this. Um, and so we're doing it today. Now I want to say to you, if you feel like you need to talk about this, um, our elders are ready to do that with you. You just call them and you know they'll, they'll sit with you. If you feel like you need... To, to have conversation privately with me about this. We will, we will set up a time to, to, to do that. You know, if you need to ask questions or you, you know, I told the first service if you need to throw your shoe at me or something. Um, I, I don't mean to make light of this, but I mean, if you feel like you need to say something strong to me, I, I can receive it. Um, but I, I have been walking now under, under this grace under this compassion, and it, it, has been, it has been overwhelming to me that they've shown me this much grace in the midst of my brokenness. They have shown, they have shown, me, um, they've shown me Jesus with skin on. They've, I, I have experienced that, and they've committed to help me overcome my struggle of not asking for help and to help me restructure my own ministry responsibilities so that I don't find myself there again. Now, um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this so it doesn't sound too wonky, but um, don't make what I'm doing, and this happened in between the service, don't, don't let what I'm doing somehow become uh, more noble than it is. The scripture required this. Okay? The Bible says that 
pastors, elders, leaders in the church need to be held to a higher level of accountability than others do. So that means that this is not a new thing that we're going to start where everybody has to come up here and publicly confess their sin. Okay, you're not going to have to do that here. But I, I had to deal with, with this in, the, in this context. And the elders believe that this needed to be dealt with this way. And so here's what I've got to do. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm apologizing and telling you that I am sorry. That I didn't lead better there. And my greatest sorrow at this point is knowing how the enemy likes to use moments like this to take our eyes off of Jesus, put them on a human being who's fallen, to, that somehow distorts the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of his church, the beauty of, of the people of God. And so I am praying that God would not let that happen in your heart that God would not allow the enemy to take this and distort your view of how beautiful Jesus is and how much he is filled with grace and mercy and he's right and perfect in all of his ways. I am I'm begging God that somehow Romans 8:28 might come to life out of my own mess. And I might get to see God, who works all things together for good, do that. I don't know what that'll look like. I don't know how it could happen. But I'm asking for that kind of movement from God out of this. That somehow he will use what I had to do. Not what I wanted to do. But what I, I had to do. So that somehow maybe you when you're finding yourself in moments of brokenness, caught in sin and shame and guilt, suffering because of that, that you will know that Jesus is there, that the God of all creation wants you to know that you can, you can step into uh, his son, that you can step towards him and find grace and mercy in your time of need, that he's, he's the only shepherd, he's the only true uh, shepherd, the only true savior who can make a difference. Part of what I've recommitted myself to do here, if you will allow me to do this with you and for you, is I'm just going to keep pointing us to Jesus because he is God. And he's the expression of God that wants to draw near to you and has drawn nearer to me in my own sin suffering. In my battle with my flesh and fears. And so I'm just going to keep pointing to him. Because what I came out of my sabbatical knowing at a level I had never known before. And again, I'm going to commend the book to you, Gentle and Lowly. Because God used it to radically help me see this and experience it. That he is filled with grace and compassion and mercy for saved sinners still in our brokenness, struggling with our, our flesh. He's kind and he's compassionate and he's filled with unfailing love and he's slow to anger and he is oh so faithful to be who he is 
all the time for those of us who will seek him. I read this week that Christianity is really a two-step process. Step one is seek Jesus. Step two is see step one. And that's it. See Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you will take this this mess that you would use it and out of it that you would be glorified Father I pray that you will fight back every effort of the enemy to rob you of glory to diminish your beauty your goodness that instead your people would see who you are that you are filled with mercy and grace and compassion, abounding in steadfast love, faithful at all times. I pray this now, God. I ask you, Father, for a blessing on your people here as they've had to endure this and hear it. I know it was uncomfortable and probably all kind of emotions raged, but I just pray for your help to come, protect your church, protect your people, guard hearts, God, I pray. And help us somehow to turn to Jesus, to see you, Jesus, in all your glory. To turn our eyes there. Not on any other person, but just to turn our eyes to you. So that in you we might find strength and compassion and the love and grace that we need in our times of need. Help us now, God, I pray, as we seek you, as we worship you. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.